thread count in good sheets. And she also taught them how to cook because she said, you never know. You know, you never know when you're going to need skills like this. And as it happened, my grandpa's first wife died of influenza and he had two small children and he really needed those skills when he was a young bachelor. So he learned how to cook from an early age. Now, this is the same grandpa who had gone through World War One, and there's a story you tell that he used to eat raw potatoes? Yes, yes. My grandpa actually, like a lot of young patriotic men in that era, lied about his age to get into the war. I think he was 15 or 16. You know, you needed to be older than that. You needed to be 18. But they took him, and he went to war. His older brother was in the war as well. And when he was shipped overseas, he was in a lot of skirmishes, you know, got shot at, he got gassed, he had a lifelong cough from being gassed in the war. And during one such skirmish, he found himself hiding in a French barn with other members of his troop that had survived this battle. They hid there away from the enemy soldiers, and when they woke up, (laughs) he found a bunch of rats nesting against him because he was warm, (laughs) so he chased them away. And then they went looking for food, and all they could find were potatoes still in the ground, so they dug them up. And he would say to me, you know, whenever we were making mashed potatoes, which since he was Irish was very frequently, he would always take a bite out of a raw one, and he said, try it. You know, So I tried it one day, and I thought, oh, God, this is terrible. And he said to me, oh, you know, this is the way I ate them in France. And I asked my mom about that later, and she said, yeah, well, you know, he almost got killed in France, and this is how he survived. I can imagine this would really put into perspective whatever feelings of privation you were having as a result of having been laid off. I mean, you weren't at the point where you had to eat raw potatoes yet. No, certainly not. Certainly not. I've always been very cognizant of the fact that I have, perhaps out of any previous generation of my family, done very well, comparatively speaking. You know, I'm I'm not exactly ready to retire <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination, but You know, when you get laid off, and I think that there are probably hundreds of thousands of Americans who can identify with this feeling, there's this fear of the unknown, a loss of identity, a lot of fears come out of the woodwork. You know, am I ever going to work again? I hear about so many other people getting laid off and, you know, not being the youngest person on the block, shall we say. (laughs) That's another thing not exactly in my favor. It was all of these things that I thought, my goodness, this is, you know, this is a really scary time. So on the one hand, I thought, well, I'm doing okay. But on the other hand, I was really trying to maintain that equilibrium in the face of an onslaught of fearful news that was just terrifying everybody I knew, including me. <laughs> Hearing these stories and finding out how my family had gotten through hard times was a major perspective check for me in the positive There are a couple of stories that I think are just such valuable stories to have maybe grown up with. One is the title story, Cherries in Winter. Do you want to tell me where that comes from? Yes. It's one of my favorite stories as well. I loved hearing this from my mother because she was there, you know, when this happened. The idea that they were broke but never poor was the way my Nana maintained a state of mind when things got difficult, that all was not lost. She figured that once she started thinking of herself as poor, she was going to remain that way. Whereas the word broke implies a temporary 
situation. You know, we're broke for now, and now maybe years long, <laughs> but we'll, you know, we'll get by and then we'll get better. So when things were a little bit better, she was working at the Coliseum in New York in the middle of Columbus Circle, and my mom was modeling at the time, doing a little bit of modeling, and she would work as a model at the car show, say. You know, she was the attractive <laughs> woman draped over the car. <laughs> and after work, the two of them would go to this place, this store where the man sold like fancy fruit, you know, like beautiful candies and fancy fruit and things like that. And in the middle of the winter, they would go and get these cherries because he would get this very small quantity of Bing cherries in. And, you know, today when fruit is shipped out of season from all over the world to us, it's a big wake-up call to find out that, no, actually strawberries aren't meant to be had year-round. <laughs> they actually were flown in from thousands of miles away. We don't really know about things being in season or out of season anymore. But back.